This is episode six, Making Decisions Like a Boss. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Simply Resilient podcast. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and this is a podcast for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of frequent deployments and trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do and you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home. But you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. I want to start with our battle buddy moment today, which is a review from Robin. And she says, I loved attending a class with Jesse. Aside from being passionate, loving, welcoming, and full of life and goodness, Jessie is very knowledgeable and great with any situation or problem you throw at her. Attend one of her classes and you will leave feeling uplifted and empowered. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for that review, Robin. Today we're going to talk about making decisions and all that that involves and a lot of the things that we get hung up on when we're making decisions and then some awesome ways to think about it and some solutions for those hangups. So I want to start by talking about what causes us to struggle to make decisions. And what came up for me when I started pondering that was feelings like indecision, confusion, overwhelm, and saying, I don't know. What I really like to do when I think about those feelings like indecision and confusion is call it what it is. So truly, when we have a decision in front of us that we're not sure what we're to do or we're hesitant to make the final decision and take action on that decision, we do what I like to call indulging. We indulge in indecision or we indulge in confusion or we indulge in overwhelm. And I think it's really powerful to call it what it is because it's helpful for your brain to know I could make a decision and move forward but I've decided to indulge in indecision for now. And the reason that we are indulging in indecision is because either we're afraid to make the decision, we're afraid to make the wrong decision, we don't feel ready to make the decision. And so it feels a lot safer to just stay in indecision. And so I like to use the word indulge because I've mentioned this before, but it reminds me of like eating chocolate. So sometimes when we're stressed and we just think, oh, I'll just eat a piece of chocolate and that'll help me feel better. It might help us feel better very temporarily, but it truly is never the solution to the problem. And so when we call these unproductive feelings that we channel and actions that we take an an indulgence, I think that that helps us realize like, I logically understand I could make this decision right now and I'm just indulging in a little bit of indecision. One analogy that I like to relate this to is, and I heard this for the first time from my coach, Jody Moore, and she said, it's kind of like you're in a parade and you are on one of the floats. That's how you're in the parade. And you're looking around at all these other beautiful floats. And you are, your float is really beautiful too. But as soon as you're in the parade and looking at other people's floats, you're really tempted to jump floats, switch to a different float, uh, compare your float to other people's floats. And what you really need to do is just love the float you're on, which is the decision you've made, and just throw people lots of candy and just really own that decision that you've made. Own your float. I think another way this comes up for us is we feel afraid to make a final decision, especially when it feels like a really important decision that will affect, you know, an outcome in our life or even affect other people. It's because we feel like 
if we make one decision that we've closed all the other doors to the other available options to us. And that can feel really scary, especially to our lower brain. And our brains want to be really efficient. And our brain doesn't like not having a provable way to know what the right decision is. And what I would like to offer you to you today is the concept of the fact that there is no wrong decision. Basically, we have the power to make any decision the right one. And when we approach a decision that needs to be made from that place of of abundance rather than the scarcity of, oh, if I choose this one, it might be wrong. Or if I choose this one, I'm shutting all the other doors. If we approach our decision making from that place of abundance of no matter what I choose, all, all options are correct somehow and I will make it the best decision for me. So I want to give you an example of this. Uh, we Our youngest is two and we have decided that we're all done having kids. And all through ha- the, my childbearing years, we, we knew we wanted a big family and we both come from six kids in our family. And so that number felt pretty good to us. We just thought we'll take it one baby at a time and see. And getting pregnant is pretty easy for me. Being pregnant is not great, but not that bad. My deliveries go well. My babies are pretty, pretty good. We have enough room in our hearts, enough room in our home, enough room in our budget for lots of kids. And I had this, I used to have this fear that I would never feel done And I would just keep going and going until like I wasn't physically able to have more kids. And one limit I was hitting as we got to our fifth and our sixth was kind of my mental limit, my mental, my sanity limit. And I recognize that as a very strong limit to be hitting and in order to be a good parent for my kids and to be sane and mentally available to all six of them, I knew I would need to get to the point where I felt good about stopping And so I tried to make deals with God. And I said, I'll have this big family, all these kids, but you need to make me feel great when I decide to stop having kids. It's up to you, God, to make me feel great. This was the stance that I used to take before I realized really it was all in my in my control and that I didn't need God to make me feel great. I could make me feel great using this amazing brain that God gave me. That's another thing I really like to acknowledge is a lot of what I talk about sounds like I'm just saying it's all in my power. I do it all. But it's important to me that you understand that for me, it's all through the power of God as well. And through God creating me and creating my personality and my amazing brain and my body, my health, my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health. It all comes from him and he has empowered me to make these amazing decisions. Anyway, so when we were pregnant with our sixth, I even made one more deal with God. I I like to make deals with him apparently. I always felt like I would have twins and I never did. And I told him, if you want me to have more than six kids, this is your last shot at getting them down here. So if that's the case, make this one twins. I also sort of thought, since I always thought I would have twins and I hadn't, then I thought once I have twins, that's when I'll feel ready to be done. So when we went and got that first ultrasound in our in our final pregnancy and it was just one baby, I thought, okay, well, I guess it wasn't supposed to be twins, you know. Anyway, I did a lot of soul searching during that last pregnancy and kind of that six or ten months after she was born of wondering if it was time to be done analyzing what I would need to do to feel complete, to feel sure of my decision, talking about it with my husband a lot, 
he felt a lot more done than me. I was still feeling like I could find a lot of reasons why we might have more. I I was pretty young at the time. I'm 35 now. I was 33 when she was born. So I still had, again, like lots of reasons why we could have more if, if I decided or if we decided. I did a lot of praying, talking to God about it. And this was all about the time that as well, I was finding all of these tools through life coaching. And this concept of both decisions are the right one was just mind-blowing for me in this particular search that I was on. And I realized I could have more babies and that would be the right decision or I can stop having babies and that is also the right decision. And it makes my lower brain a little uncomfortable because it says, no, there's only one right choice. There's one right way to lead your life. And I'm just questioning that and pushing back against my lower brain, having those fears and saying both ways would be great because I would make it great. And I truly did want to be done having kids. And I was able to move forward with my husband, with God, with that decision of being done having kids with the full faith, knowing that we will make this the right decision. And it was such an empowering place to come from. And every once in a while, I'll still have little, little thoughts, little dreams, different things. Like just last week, I thought, We have five girls and one boy, and I would love to have more boys. And just last week, I thought, maybe if I get pregnant one more time, (laughs) it'll be twin boys. (laughs) Oh, and I told my husband, and he just looked at me like, are we still having these fantasies? (laughs) And it's okay. I just indulge in my fantasies sometimes, and then I I kind of play it out, and I realize, no, you know, I, I feel great about our decision Uh, if there's meant to be more baby boys in my life, I think they're going to be grandsons. So I don't know. Anyway, another tool I want to offer you when your brain loves to tell you, I don't know, like, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right decision would be. I want you to just to answer your brain with this simple shift of, I don't know yet. And how okay that is. It's okay to not know yet. When we indulge in that, I don't know thought, our creativity, our brain, our thinking outside the box, our solution center. I don't know what all the right words are, but it shuts down. I don't know really shuts us down. So I want you just to watch your brain offer you that thought and then just make that slight adjustment to like, I don't know yet. And that's okay. And another way this plays out for me is sometimes we're asking our brain to know something that it doesn't need to know yet. This is another place that our brain likes to go and spin If we are having a a worry or a concern or some possibility has come up, it says, ooh, let's spend a lot of time thinking about that and trying to figure out what we would do if that happened. But we're in a place in our lives, usually, where we don't have enough information because one, it hasn't happened. I'm in this in this specific example, it hasn't happened. And and two, we don't know when it would happen or if it would happen at all and exactly how it would happen if it did, whatever the thing is that you're worried about. Yet you are asking your brain to come up with some answers for this thing. And you're going to feel really frustrated because it's going to really struggle and just keep coming back at you with, I don't know. So if you're getting that answer a lot and feeling frustrated, ask yourself this question. Do I need to know this yet? Or is this something I don't have enough information on? And if you identify that that's the case, that it's just not something that you need to know yet, you're waiting on more information, just reassure your brain with, I'll know what to do if and when that time comes. And just say like, we don't need to think about that yet or worry about that yet. Another really effective decision-making tool that I have applied in my life and love is 
making a list of reasons why. This sounds pretty simple and it is, but what I want, what this tool for me replaces making a pros and cons list. So that's what I used to do when I had a decision ahead of me and I wasn't sure what to do. I would make a pros and cons list. And what you end up with when you make a pros and cons list is you end up with four lists. So I'll give you a specific example. When my husband was deployed in 2018 and I had a pretty big calling at church. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we are asked to serve in different capacities in our church group. And I was in a presidency or a leadership position over all the children in our primary group is what we call it. And I was really enjoying that calling, really enjoying the women I was working with up until my husband left. And they even talked to me at that time, the other members of of the presidency of my leadership group. And we talked about how there was a chance that I would need to be uh, released from this calling and, and stop doing it while, during the deployment to kind of save me up for all the other things I would need to be doing as a solo parent. And I let them know, like, let's just wait and see, you know, because again, I was really enjoying the calling, enjoying the work and the, the sacrifice and the commitment and the just it was a it was a really beautiful opportunity that I wasn't quite ready to let go of. So a couple months after he had left and I was starting to really feel the strain of, you know, him being gone for a year and just kind of what that, the toll that takes, I realized that church had become very stressful for me. Instead of a a time in my week to fill up my spiritual bucket and to leave feeling, you know, refreshed and, and renewed and ready for a new week and feeling closer to God and instead I just left feeling completely depleted and like I had asked myself for too much and I was dreading church and I just didn't like any of that because I normally don't feel that way even when my callings are hard and so I realized it was time to let go of this calling and there were a few things that came into play in this situation probably a little bit of pride and a little bit of shame at not being able to do it was one way I was thinking about it and So I talked it over with a couple of people in my life, like my mom and my sister, and I said, I'm, you know, and my husband, and I said, I'm thinking about getting, asking to be released from my calling. Um, And I went to do what I usually do of make a pros and cons list. So this is how you end up with four lists. So I was trying to decide if I should stay in my calling for maybe another six months to a year when I would be released naturally at the, at the more natural rate that the the ward family had planned for me, or if I should go and ask to be released early because of the need that I had identified. So if I'm making a pros and cons list, then I'm going to make a pros and cons list to staying in the calling and a pros and cons list to asking to be released. And that's how you end up with four lists. And basically, they're very compelling lists. And each one can talk you out of the other one. And so I feel like at the end, Although it's clearer to you maybe than it was before you actually wrote some things down and made a list, I still feel like you can use it to kind of go round and round talking yourself into going one way or the other because all the two two sets of lists are very compelling. And that was when I was introduced to this new idea of just making a list of reasons why and then you only end up with two lists. And so here's what that looks like. If I make a list of reasons why I would stay in the calling – and a list of reasons why I would ask to be released, then I can compare these just two lists instead of four 
and just see which reasons I like better and feel truer to who I am. So I did this. I made my list of reasons why I would stay in the calling. And they were reasons like, I love working with the kids. I've made a commitment to my church family that I would do this until they don't need me anymore. I've made a commitment to God that I would fulfill all callings asked of me. Uh, I love being in the primary with my kids who are in the primary, and that's a wonderful opportunity. I also know that when we do things that are hard, it's actually really good for us, makes us better people, grows us, strengthens us. I knew there was a lot of opportunity there. Um, Other reasons that I would say that I didn't like as much were I was embarrassed to ask to be released early. I was, I felt like I would be letting the other ladies down who were in the leadership presidency with me. I was worried what people would think. So these are all reasons why I would stay. And some of them I liked and some of them I didn't like as much. And especially those fear-based ones at the end didn't feel true to me. They just felt kind of like I was worried what other people would think. And reasons why I would ask to be released from the calling. Once I made my list, I realized that I liked pretty much every single one because they were so true to me. They were honoring what I needed in that moment and they were genuine and vulnerable. And basically my list of reasons why I would ask to be released is because I needed to be stronger for my family. And I would ask to be released because I needed to look forward to Sundays and church again. And I would ask to be released because church is such a strengthening time for me and I needed it to be that again so that I could be an amazing mom for my kids and feel close to my heavenly father and my savior and to have the spirit with me as I moved throughout my week and did this long-term solo parenting and I would ask to be released because it was actually what was best for my presidency group because I wasn't my heart wasn't all in it like it was before and there were, there are more reasons, but once I was able to just look at those two lists, I could see one was truer to me and the other one was mostly me worrying about what other people would think. Those were the main motivations I was really stressed about, about asking to, to be released, was that I was worried what other people would think. I was worried what I would think of myself, that I would judge myself. I was worried because I had never asked to be released from a calling before. So none of those were actually very genuine reasons once I could get that look at it. So that's another really effective tool of just two lists, reason why one and reason why go the other way. Another really effective tool when you're either think in your, when you're either in indecision or in confusion, like you don't know, if you feel like you don't know the answer, you don't know what to do, is to ask yourself what the answer is. Now this sounds pretty simple. <laughs> And most of these solutions are, but when we're stuck in I don't know, we don't even think of these simple solutions. And so you ask yourself, I don't, or you ask yourself, what is the answer? And then your lower brain will come back with, we don't know, that's why we're in indecision. And you ask it again. And then you start to ask it the question in a new way. You ask yourself the question like, well, what would the answer be if I did have the answer? Or what do I wish someone else would tell me to do? Or what is the perfect answer I could give myself? Or what's the perfect answer someone else might give me? Or take a guess at what the answer might be. Kind of ask your brain all these different questions just to wiggle it and to get it to get outside of its tiny little trap of indecision and confusion 
And you'll be amazed that you have the answer. You have it inside you. You're just blocking yourself from it with your I don't knows and with the scarcity that your lower brain is offering you. I've been really fascinated to see how I want someone else to tell me what to do. And I'll have usually someone specific in mind of, oh, I want to be able to talk to this person about it so they can give me their feedback and tell me what to do. And I'll realize when I, when I ask my brain that question of what do I want that person to tell me what to do, my brain has the answer loaded up. And it's so interesting because for some reason it feels more valid hearing it from this one person who either has, you know, more experience or more expertise. But just practice thinking thoughts like, I, there's a chance I have all the answers. Or there's a chance I already know what to do. Or I'm open to the idea that the answers are inside of me. It's a really powerful place to come from. Back on the topic of indulgences, I want to encourage you to not indulge in thinking about a decision for a really long time. Now, some decisions are smaller, less impactful. Some are bigger and have a greater impact. But truly, if you use these techniques and others that work for you, you can actually schedule a more, a more intentional amount of time to use to make a decision. And no matter how big the decision is, you never need more than hours or even a day at the most to do a little research pray, ponder, talk to a few people, talk to your spouse, make the decision. It truly never takes longer than that. And when we're in confusion and indecision, our brain will say, oh, we need to take, you know, weeks or months to think about this and decide. But truly, you just kind of suffer through that and then end up just taking an hour or two to make the decision at the end of all of that suffering. And Anything that you, any techniques you want to employ to make the decision can truly just be accomplished within a few hours or again at most a day. So watch yourself think that you need a lot more time than that to make a decision. And it actually feels so good to have the decision made and to move forward from that place of confidence. And this is the decision we've made. This is the action we're going to take. And also watch your brain offer you a lot of, um, even after you've made the decision, watch it offer you kind of that option of changing your mind. That's kind of like the changing the parade floats. So that's really normal for your brain to do. And when it does, just say, oh, you know, I'm on to you. Like, we're right on track. I knew you were going to offer me some thoughts about changing my mind. And I'm just not going to go there. I know we made the right decision. I know we make it the right decision. And we're moving forward. Now, that being said, changing your mind or even making decisions in general usually changes the C in your model, which is an interesting idea because we often talk about not changing the C. So I want to just take a minute to explain this to you. Say we're making a decision on a job. We have an opportunity, like you and your husband have the opportunity to stay in one job or choose another one and, and move to another state and work in this other place. So it's kind of a big decision. It's going to impact you. It's going to impact your family. And sometimes it can be helpful if they have a timeline for you of saying you have to let us know by the end of the week or something because then that forces you to make the decision. But like I mentioned earlier, I want you to create your own deadlines for making decisions and that will be very powerful for you. But when the decision has been made, that is actually you changing the C because your current C is I work at you know job A. And if you were to pick the other job, that's changing the C to, oh, now I work at job B. And so there are lots of times we change our C, knowing that job A, staying at job A is neutral and we make it what we want to make it. And going to job B is also neutral and we decide what we're going to make of job B. So watch your brain 
and be careful to notice when it's saying like, oh, we'll be much happier in job B. You might find a lot of happiness in job B, but you can be just as happy in job A because you create both sets of of what would make you happy with what your thoughts are and what you've decided to think and believe about job A or job B. So changing the C is often necessary, but another way we change the C that is not productive is when we change our minds. And I'm not saying you should never change your mind. I just want you to be aware that when you've made the decision, say you decide to stay in job A and a couple months down the road, things come up that start to make you have thoughts like, oh no, we made the wrong decision, or I wish we had chosen job B, or maybe we still could choose job B. And again, you can, but just watch your brain and and be onto it when it's offering you these thoughts to say like, see, we're not happy in job A. And that That's just taking that power away from you as if the job is what's creating the happiness and job B will create a different level of happiness. The happiness is always created by you. The satisfaction in your life, in your circumstances, in a job, in a marriage is always created by you. But your lower brain loves to kind of skip that thought line and say like job A, we're dissatisfied, but job B, we'd be satisfied. So let's change our mind and switch to job B and we'll find our satisfaction there. Just be on to your brain when it offers you thoughts like this and remind it that you are the one creating the satisfaction. Now, again, I say that you can change your mind, but I would recommend that you stay with job A until you have proven to yourself that you can create it to be to make you happier, to be more satisfying using your thoughts alone. And when you've proven that to yourself, you can still then change your mind and go to job B. But it's just giving you that experience of keeping that power and knowing that all the happiness cre- is created by you, not by the job. And you'll be in such a better position to make job B, job B be the exact right thing for you and create so much satisfaction and happiness because you will know that you create it. All of these tools have really helped me as I have made big and little decisions in my life. And I'm so grateful to have them because I used to spend a lot of time indulging in confusion and indecision and kind of that unnecessary suffering of I don't know and just kind of blocking my super amazing smart brain with those indulgent emotions and thoughts. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode with our final segments. And the first one is my hot mess moment, which is, as you know, a reality glimpse into my life or into one of your lives when I have ones to share from my listeners. And the one I want to share with you guys today is uh, in September, my three-year-old started a little preschool class and somehow I wrote the time down wrong in my planner. I thought she went to class from 10 to noon when actually it was 9 to 11. And it's just this little mom's group we're doing. So we're taking turns being the teacher. And it was at my friend's house this first week. And I got Grace all ready and did her hair and went to drop her off at 10 o'clock. I even got there a little early and I was proud of myself. I got there at like 9.50 and nobody was there. And I thought, oh man, is this the right house? So I went and knocked on the door and everyone was inside just going strong. And I thought, this is funny to me that I didn't clue in at this point, but this is kind of how I roll. I just thought, oh man, everyone was so early because it was the first day of school. I thought everyone had come at 9.45, dropped all their kids off and left already. And so I just took Grace in, got her settled and said, okay, I'll be back to get you at the end. And I went home with my two-year-old and spent a little time with her. We were working on a little project, playing some games. 
And I remember looking at my watch at maybe like 11.05 and thinking, okay, I've got just a little less than an hour and then we'll go pick up Grace again. And I just kind of kept working on my project. And my friend called me at about 11.15 and said, are you coming to get Grace? (laughs) And that was the moment when I realized, oh my goodness, preschool went from 9 to 11, not from 10 to 12. And I dropped her off an hour late, not early. And I was in the process of picking her up 20 minutes late. Anyway, it was so funny. And I just apologized to my friend and explained the confusion. And my lower brain wanted to kind of beat me up a little bit and offer me thoughts of how disorganized I am. And, you know, and I just can reassure it. No, I'm just human. I just make mistakes. And I made sure to have it right in my planner from there on out. And we have happily attended preschool from nine to 11 from that point on. My in the trenches moment this week is, uh, again, a self-coaching example. And I wanted to share this one with you guys from a little while ago. I was having a problem in that our credit card bill, our main credit card bill, came due every month on the 14th and we get paid on the 15th. Now, some months we had plenty of money in our checking account to pay the bill and some months that either the credit card bill was higher than usual or some other expense that had come up that made our checking account balance lower than usual. I would have to stress and say, oh, I've got to you know move money around or, or get the right money in there because the credit card bill pays automatically on the 14th and The way we use credit cards is we just pay the statement in full each month. And it was just such a stressor in my life. And one day I realized that I was, I walked through this model of my my issue was my credit card bill automatically charges my checking account on the 14th, but we're not paid till the 15th. And there's not always enough in our checking account. So that's my C. And my thought was, see, there's never enough money. Like it was going to this really dramatic place, even though often we had enough in our checking account to pay the credit card bill, my lower brain was offering me this thought of like, see, there's just never enough money to like pay all the bills. And that took me to panic and overwhelm, a couple different feelings like that. And so then I would scramble to pay the bill and I would, this was pretty fascinating to me, I would hide it from my husband when I could see we weren't going to have enough money in our checking account and that I had to move money around, you know, take it from a savings account or something. I would watch myself not want to tell him because I was, I don't know, embarrassed that we didn't have it in there. I don't know. It's kind of confusing to me because in my rational mind, I'm not embarrassed about it, but I was in my lower brain at this point from that panic and that overwhelm. And I would just spend lots of time worrying and I would just try to not spend money, which, you know, is a good thing. But eventually I would always get the bill paid by the 14th, but just in a really stressful way. And I realized I would wanted to solve that. And so I kept the same C of, you know, my, my credit card is billed on the 14th and we get paid on the 15th. And like on a particular month, there wasn't going to be enough in there. And I watched me start to go down that old pattern of, oh, now I have to figure all this out. And what am I going to do? And the overwhelm. And I realized that I needed to change my thought in order to find a different feeling. And the feeling I decided to go for was curious. And that's kind of an interesting one, but it took me to this place of the thought that I used to create curious for me was I can't wait to see how we figure this out. And it's important to me that I put the word we in there instead of how I figure this out, because this isn't my job to figure out alone. 
I'm the one in our marriage who is in charge of our finances, but our finances ultimately are the responsibility of my husband and myself. And I really wanted to get him more involved and kind of overpower that shame or embarrassment that I was feeling when this would happen and not tell my husband, but to get him involved and say, you know, we, we bought something that made the credit card bill higher than usual and we don't quite have enough in our checking and we need to resolve this somehow. And so I used the thought, I can't wait to see how we figure this out, which would take me to curious. And the actions that I take from curious are, I start to look for creative solutions. I get coached on it. I coach myself. I open up to Brad and tell him about it. I look at all of our money and see what needs to be where instead of just being so focused on this bill. And my result is that I get the bill paid like I did in my other model, but in a creative way instead of that stressful kind of suffering way. And so what I actually ended up doing to solve this problem, I I paid it that month kind of through my usual means of just being open to pulling some money from savings or whatever. And then I realized with my husband's help that we could just move the date that it was paid. So we were able to just call the credit card company and say, can you just have this bill get paid on the 16th? And they said, sure, no problem. And they just changed it. And we've never had to stress about it since. Now, that's kind of an interesting solution because I actually changed the C there. But I was really fascinated to see that first I went to curiosity and still got the bill paid the way I used to, but just from a way better place. And then I changed the C because now that I've changed the C, I don't really have the opportunity to practice this anymore. But it was something that I decided I don't need any more practice. I can see now that I can change my thought to create a different feeling and get a different result. And now I'm just going to change the seat and have the bill get paid on a different date, which honestly is in my action line to, to change that date and is a creative solution to my problem because it does solve my problem. And I was not open to solutions like that when I was coming from that place of panic and overwhelm. I could only see... I have to get this bill paid. How am I going to get this bill paid? I was not looking for creative solutions. I was just scrambling. So that's my in the trenches moment for this week. And I'm going to end with our mission for the week, which is your challenge or your homework. And I want you to just start to watch your week, watch your thoughts, watch your brain and see if you're indulging in these unproductive feelings of confusion, overwhelm and indecision. And if you are, Don't necessarily change anything, but just start calling it what it is. You're just eating a piece of chocolate to temporarily feel better, but you're not actually solving the problem. So just start to tell your brain, you know, I'm indulging in confusion right now. I'm indulging in indecision. I know that I can make this decision, but I'm indulging right now. I want you to also create, if you have a decision that's weighing on you right now, I want you to give yourself a decision deadline as if someone else were giving it to you, like if you had to decide on a job by a certain time. And I want you to also watch your brain and see what it's offering you, like I don't know and I don't have the answers or or, or thoughts like that. See what your thoughts are, what your sentences are, and practice thinking ones like this and just see what new model it creates for you. So practice thinking thoughts like I have the answers. Or there's nothing I can't figure out. Or everything is figure outable. Or this is always how it was meant to be or meant to go. And just get curious and see where those new thoughts might take you in your model. I hope that you find as much success with these tools as I have. Thank you for listening and making time in your day. If this podcast resonates with you, 
send an email to jesse at simplyresilient.net to schedule a free mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember, when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.